Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you all enjoying listening and reading. I am thankful and disgusted at Facebook these days. I am so happy that we all have a way of connecting and maintaining relationships and staying in each other's lives through a digital format, uh, a social platform. It's wonderful. I mean, there are people in there that my high school friends, I still and I'm in touch with and I'm I'm eternally grateful to know how that they've got kids now. And on the other flip side, I'm just so sad to see some of the people that just have these not just differing opinions, but just hateful opinions. Are uninformed, uh, misinformed, just these ideas that are just terrible. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse in so many ways. It's, it's great in the fact that we get to discuss all these things in an open forum. And it's also, it's really tough to see sometimes because you, you don't know. And, uh, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the fact that our industry is designed to create emotions and sometimes that emotion is uncomfort and i fully respect that but sometimes the you know sometimes sometimes people just go to facebook they're like man i just want to see some puppies and some rainbows and some people's kids and and uh, where my friends are so it's in that way it's it's a really tough situation and uh, especially in the lighting industry where we build a lot of our relationships online and in person so that's something I wanted to talk about. It's been on my mind a lot, and I, I'm pretty sure it's been at the top of everybody's thought process today. So I invited a, a good friend of mine. He is a, for lack of a better term, he's a, a digital friend of mine up until today. We have never actually worked together. We've never met in person. It's only been an online relationship, which we've forged online, and we've you know battled the forces of ignorance together online in so many ways. So I'm really excited that you guys get to hear a conversation between us. So today I have David Boykin. He is a lighting designer and programmer out of California at Boykin Lights. Thank you so much for taking time to sit with me today, David. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is the time to be doing things like this, man. You and I have been online together for so, I feel several years now, and I don't remember if it was you added me or if I added you, but I mean, you can only see so many... You can only see somebody post something. You're like, dude, that right on so many times in our common forums. You're like, well, I clearly have to know this guy. Cause we, we are so like-minded. We have the, you know, we've run in similar circles. We've just never crossed paths before. I, I love it when you jump on a post that I've, I've tried to explain so many times to one person and you're just like, how are you not understanding this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, 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 sometimes you're just like, man, how can you still think some of those things in 2020? And then I'm all for differences of opinions. And I get it. We all have, we all think different ways and we all have, we've, we've come up with different solutions, but, but man, some people just aren't even trying. Yes. Uh, I think that it's, uh, there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much information that's out there that's available to everybody, but you have to be extremely careful in what information you go to seek. And I find that most people will do a quick search, find one source that one source that confirms their thinking and they go no further than that. They don't uh, even research and make sure that um, that source is uh, researched or sourced correctly. Yeah, there's so many little things out there. There's no gatekeeper of information anymore. And that's one of the greatest things of the, the modern era is that there's nobody hiding any information from us. But that also means there's so much information out there that can be very confusing. It's so much misinformation out there. Um, and it's being put out by everybody. Um, a lot of people like to bring up mainstream media but I, I feel that mainstream media tries their best to um, filter a lot of that out. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's kind of hard to filter that out when you have so much inf misinformation being fed to everybody. It's a, it's a tricky one. So to bring it back to our industry, what happens is we'll do a gig together. And let's say I'm the front of house lighting tech one day and you come in through as a guest LD. We have a great day. Like, hey, man, we should stay in contact. Let's, uh, let's connect on Facebook. And then you, you, you connect on Facebook. And then three months later, something pop, pops up. And you're like, oh, my God, I had no idea you would have thought that. Oh, that happens so much. Um, I, I run into this constantly. Um, I meet somebody that's really cool. We, we click. I think they're, you know, amazing to work with and then um something like this pandemic hits the pandemic hits and you get somebody spreading tons of mis misinformation and then as soon as you try to correct that information for them they they tend to fight back so you kind of start to lose that connection with the person and it's sad that you're losing such a good acquaintance and friend, but at the same time, for your own health, it's sometimes the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you and I know that uh, if you spend too much time in that space, it, it can wear on you. It can be mentally and to a degree, physically exhausting. Like, oh, man. Definitely is. Uh, if you if you followed me on Facebook, you noticed that um, for a while I was just doing a lot of memes. I was uh, the meme lord, LD, as they called me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was a, a way of trying to deal with all the negativity on Facebook. I just thought, you know, making people laugh would be the best way to go around it. Mm -hmm. And then um, the George Floyd incident happened. 
and I turned from being the funny LD to the militant LD, it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and everything turned into Black Lives Matter. I was in protests. Um, I've been tear gas shot with rubber bullets. And since then, life has completely changed uh, Facebook-wise. It's been, it's been trying to fight the, the other side, the thinking that police are not out there doing um, what everybody is seeing and saying mm -hmm. that they're doing. No, it's a, it's a tough one. I had to have that conversation with my children recently. Even in Canada, my kids came home and they asked me about George Floyd and what happened. And I had to tell them, you know, the police are good people most of the time. If you have a problem, you should totally go to the police and you should ask them for their assistance, but not all the time. And I, it, it was a tough decision to, a tough discussion to have with my eight year old kids. I'm like, that's a, this is what happens to some people. And they, and I had to explain to my children, like sometimes the police do really shitty things. Exactly. I uh, have a nine year old son and with any kids, you kind of want them to grow up and thinking that the police are superheroes. So I remember one time we're at San Diego Comic-Con just walking around and everybody has their costumes. He's just loving it. We run into some San Diego police officers. I'm like, would you like to take pictures with the police? Because they're superheroes as well. I, I, I don't necessarily think that all police are bad. And I don't want my son to think that all police are bad. But it was a very hard moment for me to sit down and show him the video and tell him exactly what dangers there are to dealing with the police. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, up until recently, it's all been unfilmed too. There's a lot of stuff that's just hit, been hidden from us. Exactly. And we're, we're finding out more. We're finding out um, more about fa their Facebook posts, more about... Yeah things they say on Twitter, we're finding out about the groups that they're a part of. And it's, it's something where if you decide not to look for it or not to pay attention to it, then you're keeping your mind closed off to the real world. And I feel like there are a lot of people who just wanna be closed off to the real world and not notice what's actually happening out there. Yeah, with the access to so much technology these days, it, it, it gets out, word gets out because there's no gatekeepers anymore. And if you, you can still, even if it's in your face, you can still refuse to just go, like, well, that doesn't confirm my bias. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to these sites and then just completely avoid those sites. Exactly, there's, there's just so many sites that they twist all the numbers. The funny part about those sites are a lot of them cite their information so if you go down and scroll down their um, citations and you research those citations, you normally find that most of those studies that they're citing are actually against police or they're talking about police brutality mm -hmm. or something within 
that, and that's that brings me back to researching what you're actually looking at. You have to always go a step further. I was lucky enough to go to a, a high school that was very big on that. Anything that you found online, you had to continue on and research that source. Yeah, it's so easy too. It is. It's, it's, I get so it disappointed when some people post a meme. I'm like, you did not even check. You didn't even <laughs> consider exploring further. You just saw something and you just like, yep, that's going up. Well, they just talking about a, a local representative here in San Diego, Daryl Issa, um, who is running for Congress, I believe. Um, he's up against uh, another another person. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but since uh, we're recording today on uh, September 11th, he uh, went ahead and posted a, a 9-11 remembrance. Mm -hmm. Well, Daryl Issa decided to crop his tweet. So his tweet now reads on Daryl Issa's Facebook, um, never forget that terrorists attacked our buildings. Never forget the terrorists. Okay. So it's more like, you know, he's trying to say that Daryl I uh, Issa is trying to say the other person is celebrating the terrorists. And oh, man. It, it's, he twisted it and cropped it so much. It's just, it's sad to look at. So I go to the comments on the Daryl Issa page and everybody's like, I can't believe him. We need to deport this guy. Where's the FBI? He's a terrorist. I'm like, have, why didn't you actually click on this guy's tweet to confirm what he said? Because it had already confirmed their bias. They're like, well, now I have They're to like, hate this person. This, this guy, he's, he's Muslim. I'm pretty sure that he's a terrorist. So let's just confirm what Daryl Issa says. <laughs> and it's, it's sad because I'm seeing this a lot with a lot of different things online. And it's, it's sad that nobody wants to go and do the research. Uh, and it's hard. So to bring it back to our industry a little bit. Yes, definitely. You and I have to be the ones to, and one of my favorite uh, people in this one is, is Nook Schoenfeld, my, uh, my editor at PLSN. He's a fact checker by nature and him, people like him and you and I, we're the ones that like, who are willing to like, man, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit more exploration and you know, like, I'm just going to like find the person's name. I'll Google that a little bit further, go to their website, go to their Twitter, just the bare minimum amount of like, man, that doesn't, something's not right here. Yeah. And it's, it's happening a lot in our industry. I, the, our industry pages have blown up and turned into fights normally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of sad that that's what's happened with our industry pages, especially since it seems like people forget that employers are part of those pages, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. which I don't understand. There's a couple times where I've actually typed that like, Hey, so you realize that employers are saying this, correct? Like employers, future clients, future clients, future, uh, acquaintances. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had that happen to me. I, I got into a Facebook fight once and 
the guy was on my next tour. <laughs> yeah. That it was like, oh wow. So this guy's here. <laughs> That's a very real risk on both sides of any spectrum. We're all taking that risk. Like we're p- putting our political views and beliefs out there and people can for better or for worse, they can they can judge us based on that. And it's forever. It's forever. Um and it takes a lot to get rid of that judgment. That that person I was on tour with. I think we went for a couple months not really seeing eye to eye at first, but now we're really good friends. And it's, and then, you know, going back to the Facebook thing where we're sitting there like, well, who blocked who on Facebook? We can't figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a tough one. It's pretty clever that Facebook doesn't tell you when somebody's blocked you or unfriended you or something. They just disappear, which is kind of nice in a way. (laughs) I have to say the snooze button was the best thing ever invented. That was pretty great. I have to say, if, if you see somebody that's um, just, you, you really like them as a person and you just don't want to see what they're posting, snooze is the best thing. I just yeah. snooze for 30 days and then 30 days comes back and I'm like, why am I seeing this? Why are you posting this? I'm like, oh yeah, I snoozed you. Oh, Let me yeah. see <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't need to hear from you. Like, if I need to talk to you, I'll call you. <laughs> so I've always been concerned about me and my putting my liberal views out because I know that we're not, we're not a a hundred percent liberal industry. We, I used to think that we were far more, and I, th- I still think that we're majority liberal in the arts and in the arts industry, but we run the risk of being, blacklisted or you know it's easy for somebody to say like you know what i really really disagree with you and because i don't actually have to tell you that i'm just not going to hire you and that's that's a very real risk that we run definitely a very real risk uh it's actually something my mother brought up to me um sometime during this pandemic she she follows me on facebook and loves to yell at me about some things i post I, if any of you want to follow me on Facebook, go ahead. Just know that I'm, I'm very publicly open. I say anything and I really, they're my views and I feel that, you know, my views are important, but um, she brought up that, you know, your employers or future employers are seeing this. And I basically told her, I don't think I'd want to work with someone who doesn't believe that I matter and that my my opinions and views matter. At that point, I'd rather not have them as a client. So That's honest. That was something that I had to had to just kind of put out there. And then after I finally said it out in the open is when I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stick to that. So I've kind of stuck to those guns and I've, I've always been vocal about Black Lives Matter and safety in our industry, definitely safety in our industry. Yeah. Uh, the mask debates, a lot of the mask debates, I, I see that as a safety issue, just like a, a rigger wearing a harness. Uh, it's, it's something that sh- we should do to help our industry come back. Yeah. 
it's it's really the bare minimum we can do right now. Definitely. And then I see a lot of people saying, let's just reopen now. And I'm like, well, you know, it, we want to do things safely. And it's, I understand you want to get back to work, but let's do this safely because safety is number one in our industry. Um, and it's not just the safety of you and me, it's the safety of our guests. It's the safety of our audience. We don't want everybody going back home sick or one person going back home sick. Mm -hmm. I'd rather everybody be safe. Yeah. It's not the, uh, the pirate world of rock and roll anymore. We need our industry to have longevity. We need people to be safe. We need people like you and I to last and be healthy for five, six months at a time <laughs> exactly. to finish a tour. Exactly. Because you know? these, I mean, touring will come back. Yeah. Shows will come back. We're, I, I feel like we're already starting to see uh, some movement with shows. We have drive-in shows. I, I was just a part of a, a drive-in show in Ventura, um, Concerts in Your Car, which is an amazing uh, venue at their fair, the Ventura Fairgrounds. And I believe that promoter is also building one here in San Diego. Um, and then there's a couple live stream studios. I'm involved with a live stream studio in Carlsbad, California called C Studio. And we've, we've done about four or five live streams, a couple with Switchfoot and some other smaller bands. Exciting. What was that? Exciting. Oh, it's it's definitely exciting. Uh, I never thought that in the middle of a pandemic, I would be working again. It was something that kind of dropped in my lap. And I, I said yes, even though I was terrified because of, you know, everything that's going on and social distancing wise. But they have really made the state of the art studio that's completely social distanced. And it's it's a great place to work nice I, I watched your gopro the other night it was very exciting to see somebody sitting at a console and updating presets it was very exciting i know i was like wow i'm actually doing this <laughs> i was like i never tape myself actually working so it was one of those moments where i'm like this i haven't done this in a while i probably should tape myself just in case this is a dream <laughs> <laughs> If nothing else, it's what you have to show you. Like, no, look, we're working responsibly. Yes, like I'm working. Yes, exactly. It's we're like doing we're events, but look, we we love what we do. We all love what we do. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we all can do it safely, responsibly, and and go home at the end of the day, day happy, knowing that we're we did the best we could for everyone around us. Yeah. So uh, along those exact same lines, that has burned other people because they've done an event and I watched uh, one in particular in New York city where there was just a thousand photos of them being very responsible, very socially distanced. You know, there was barricades where it needed to be and, and clear delineation between lines. Like you're supposed to stay on this side of the line and they're supposed to stay on this side of the line. And then the house lights went out and they'd had enough to drink and they're like, we're going to the barricade. And they took a picture of everybody smashed against the barricade. And then as soon as it made it to the band that everybody was too close, they stopped the show uh -huh. and they sent everybody back to their seats. And like, you guys, come on. If we're going to do this, we got to do it safe. 
and they everybody went back and they maintained the rest of the evening and the the concert went on what which picture made it to facebook the one oh, of everybody smashed up against the barricade definitely the one of everybody smashed up against the barricade it's it, not the 999 those... other ones oh definitely trust me when we did the when we did the drive in i was terrified I was completely terrified of being vilified for running an outdoor show or being part of an outdoor show in the middle of a pandemic. I was like, well, this is supposed to be meant to be completely safe, but we don't, as techs, don't have control of the, the audience. Right. Hopefully they have, you know, people that were, are there to control it. But I have to say it was extremely safe. Everybody was masked up everybody stayed away from every i don't think i was more than i don't think i was less than 10 feet away from uh, anybody that was part of the audience at any point in the day okay the the closest i was to, to somebody was the person that i drove up with <laughs> and that was it every the, the rest of the time you know our our stage hands were just telling him what to do and it's just a normal work day. So see, that's the, the problem with Facebook in general, but you know, for-profit media as a whole, sorry, buddy, that's not newsworthy. Oh, you know, David, David Boykin helps produce a perfectly safe, wonderful event where everybody had a great time and stayed safe. It's not going to make headline news. It's, It's not supposed to. And that, and that's another thing about, you know, the news they're they're not going to cover every little thing mm-hmm. um they're not going to cover every murder they're not going to cover every tornado well they'll cover every tornado but they're not going to cover every little story that happens and right. i've seen a lot of the well we covered this post or we've covered this story why aren't they covering this other story those are so frustrating those are extremely frustrating. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's research this. Let's Google it. You throw, throw up on Google and you get like 20 stories from the local news. It's like, yes, it made local news. It didn't make national news because it wasn't something that would really matter to everybody nationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah, it, there's a bunch of that where it's not that big a deal. And then they're like, well, we're, we're covering these, these police shootings. And I'm like, well, that's a big deal because this is something that we've been dealing with for decades. Yeah. And it's something that we have studies and documentaries and a bunch of things that show that this is an actual problem yeah. in America. And instead of trying to equate it to something that's not relevant, let's just take it for what it is and say, hey, this is an issue. This is a problem. Um, We need to fix this problem. Um, One thing I've been saying a lot is um, rioting and looting, which I know is a huge issue right now. Yeah. But rioting and looting is an effect and the cause of that is police brutality. To, right. to stop the effect, you have to get rid of the cause. What we've been doing normally is just 
throwing band-aids on it and saying, oh, well, we're going to do this. It's, it's okay. It's fixed. Go away. Well, that's not getting rid of the cause. So we keep coming back to the same issue over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's in national news over and over again, because we've never fixed it. We've just thrown band-aids on the issues. Over in fact, we're throwing even more money at it. We're like, hey, well, oh. if, these, if they're going to be shooting people, then or if they're going to be doing these things, well, they need protection. Like, no. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've thrown so much money at these departments. It's, it's not funny. Here in San Diego, we just, um, our San Diego Police Department just bought 178 new hybrid SUVs that weren't needed because they've already bought a bunch of brand new SUVs three years ago. Of course. Um, <laughs> they bought these because they want to be energy efficient and compliant to the new laws that are coming up in the next 10 years. But the problem is we have issues. We, we have a lot of programs shutting down. Um, our opera has, has funding issues. Um, we have our schools have tons of budgetary issues, mm-hmm. but we're throwing millions of dollars into brand new police cars that aren't needed. So it's kind of like when we talk about defunding police, we're, we're more talking about getting rid of the stuff that's not needed by police. Having more social workers involved having having the right people involved taking away work from them a a workload from them that they don't need i don't need police officer to show up when my next door neighbor is having a loud party nope well de-escalation starts with us truthfully absolutely and sadly we don't do that anymore it's it's a quick call to the the police because that makes somebody feel more powerful. Ugh. They have the power of the police who are going to escalate the situation at their side. God, everybody stop calling the police. So, uh, <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. It's one, thing that I, I, uh, it's one thing I don't do unless it's something that's a, a violent offense or something that I is extremely dangerous. If I see somebody walking in the middle of the highway, yes, I'm going to call the police because this guy apparently has some issues and, and needs some help. I'm yeah. hoping that he's not going to be killed by the police when they get there and deal with him because yeah. apparently he has a mental issue. And that's why we're saying, you know, bring in like a social worker. Yep. He- People having barbecues in the park don't call the police that doesn't it's, need it's the police. Not a police matter police shouldn't have to show up for a barbecue in the park black man bird watching not <laughs> worth you know that's not uh, worth calling the police over don't and do we're it. seeing a lot of that and yeah. um it, or black guys at a gym or in the pool don't call the police just leave it alone just let, let, I mean, let the people swim if, if they're not bothering you why, why deal with it like uh, it has nothing to do with you leave it alone that's the uh, that's the the nine percent libertarianism in me. It's just like, hey, they're not hurting me, you're not hurting them. Just just leave it alone. Exactly. I I'm really big at leaving things alone unless it's a a very dangerous situation. Exactly. I'm I'm I think you and I are very similar in that regard. 
So let's uh, let's do an, let's make an event. Let's make an effort to bring this back to uh, to lighting for a little bit. Let's yeah. Let's talk about some lighting. <laughs> you, uh, I first discovered you when you were on the Carrie Underwood tour. How was that? The Carrie Underwood tour was great. Um, that was my oh my gosh, was that my sixth or seventh tour at that point? I think it was my uh, fifth or sixth tour actually. Right. Um, and I would, I was black, uh, Carrie Underwood's assistant lighting director. So I was in charge of black tracks, um, which is something I had never touched before in my entire life or even heard of at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're the black tracks technician. It was, or, it was very the black tracks. Yeah. Okay. Um, how, that, how, did that, how did that come to be? Um, it was actually Bobnet. I responded. Wow! To, uh, Great to hear. I responded to an ad on Bobnet and kind of never thought I would even hear back for, from them, and uh, got a call from Nate Cromwell, who said that he loved my resume and we had a great discussion, and he brought me out on tour. Um, he taught me tons, and truthfully, after dealing with Nate. Um, is when my life kind of started that huge upward trend. He he gave me the he he gave me the positivity I needed in my life, and all the words that I needed to hear to push me to the next level. Wow! I yeah, it, it was one of those things where the tours that I had been on before had really discouraged me. Um, and I was almost to that whole breaking point of, do I want to be in this industry or not? Or do I just want to go and, and just sit and do corporate shows, which I, I have a love-hate relationship with corporate shows. I, I love the money, but I, I, I hate being bored. Yeah, I'm that guy in the corporate show who's like, oh, cool, you're playing some rock music in the middle of your uh, break. Well, I'm going to punt to that, so... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready for that rave in the middle of your uh, doctor's meeting. <laughs> so, so what was discouraging about the tours pre Carrie Underwood? Um, I dealt with a lot of racism on those tours. Um, really? I dealt with a lot of racism. I, it was something I never expected. Truthfully, my first tour, um, I was uh, just a lighting tech. I ended up becoming the board op uh, because I was the only one who really knew how to control the console. And, um, but because of that, it seemed like I got blamed for everything that happened on tour. Um, if a light went out, if something wasn't programmed correctly, which I, I didn't design it, I was just, you know, running somebody else's cue lists. Um, and we all had sections of trust that we were responsible for, but if anything went down, it was automatically my fault. Um, I was constantly put down. I was constantly berated. I, um, left that tour early because of mental health issues. I basically couldn't do it anymore. It was to the point where I had called home. It, crying almost 
every other day. Um, and my dad told me one day, I'm just going to buy you a ticket home. And I said, well, no, I can't do that to my tour. Okay. So at one point I saw an opportunity to leave. I gave my tour a three week notice that I was leaving, um, trained two people to replace me. Yes. It took two people to replace me for some reason. I don't understand that one, <laughs> but trained two pe people to replace me. And on the day that I left was basically told that I was abandoning, abandoning the tour that I never told them that I was leaving that, that email that I sent them that explained all the reasons for me leaving was just denied and they didn't care about it. Ouch. Yeah. Which also happened to, uh, there were only two African Americans on that, uh, tour, which were me and my, my roommate at the time. He left maybe two weeks before me, but he went out, um, because he ended up getting carpal tunnel in both of his hands. That's terrible. Yes. Well, he kept complaining about the issue to management. Management wouldn't help him go see a doctor. So he went to see a doctor on his time off. Um, they told him he has carpal tunnel and basically what he had to do was stop using the hands or get surgery. Well, we're young. We're, we're about 19, 20. So he doesn't want to go get hand surgery yet. That's, that's an invasive process that he just doesn't see happening. So he's like, Hey, so if I can work a little bit less, if I can take a different position or something, well, they, they told him, well, you can go home on medical leave. Well, so the day that he goes home, they basically pull him in the office and tell him the same thing that he's abandoning the tour. They never told him he could go home. And he said, well, it's a medical issue. And they said, well, you never saw one of our doctors. What? So, yeah, they, at, at that point I was like, wow, this, this, I think this is just something that they're, they do, you know, to, because I've never heard anybody else complain about it. All the other guys that were on the tour stayed throughout the entire tour. I thought that was just going to be the end of my touring career until I joined my next tour about a year later and dealt with an extremely hostile and racist boss that I had to stick with for two years. So I did two nine month tours with the most vile person that you'd ever meet. That's tough. I mean, just, it, it was something where I, at the end of those five years, basically saw myself as an awful lighting guy. I just thought I was awful at my job. I was told that I was bad at my job all the time. I was told that I would never make it in this industry. I was told, well, one thing I was told I was too nice for this industry which I thought was funny. <laughs> oh man. That's I, told, I, I would hate never that. make it as an LD because I was way too nice to stage hands. I was way too nice to spot ops and I have to be meaner, which is not true. Don't, That's not true. If somebody tells you that just 
just ignore them. That's not true. Don't That's not true. Uh, if you're nice to people, you get what you need. You you get more help. If you help more, if you help the person build what your you, your your vision, you're, they're more likely to want to help you. Yes. So putting them down and yelling at them all the time that's just not the way to to make them work better or faster or or anything like that no i fully uh i think we're on the same uh, ideology there i think that you get more more bees with honey for sure oh definitely but uh that that second tour i dealt with uh racism there i was basically um the head electrician on the tour but he was also the head electrician on the tour so there were two head electricians okay so yes it was a a really weird situation (laughs) if you have two head um, electricians you have no head electricians oh it was it was really bad um i basically did all the work while he sat around most of the time and pretended to do the work okay so everything would definitely be blamed on me and then it was just constant, constant yelling, screaming, put downs, everything else like that during during a normal day. This we don't need yelling day. anymore. That's that's so late eighties touring. Oh, it was it was so bad where stewards from different venues would actually come over and say something to him like, "Hey, you can't be yelling at him like that. What's what's wrong? What's going on? Why? What's?" And he's just, it was, he really didn't care. How did the stagehands react to, to him as opposed to you? Uh, a lot better with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of the times they didn't see him. Uh, we, he did uh, piss off a couple stagehands in a couple, um, in a couple cities. Okay. Which was great. Um, San Antonio was hilarious but i think my favorite was houston where um all the stagehands decided to back me up because uh he decided that it was going to be the day he wanted to work and that everything that i had been doing for the last couple of months was completely wrong everything's wrong why are you doing this we're trying to load out. I'm like, why are you, why are you here? You're never here. Go somewhere else. <laughs> and it got to the point where the stagehands actually surrounded him and were like, leave. You need to leave now. Wow. And I was, <laughs> I was very grateful for that because I, I always felt alone. Management wasn't there for me. Okay. Um, I was told by management when they brought him on the second year that I even though I was doing all of the work, even, you know, even doing all the, the orders for new parts and I fixed all the, all the lights um, that I was not ready to be the head electrician yet. Ah, uh, because you were too nice, probably. Like, ah. uh, well, it, they, they listened to him and he was giving them a lot of false information. And even though Okay. Management was there seeing it. You know, that's not what they wanted to believe. Okay. 
uh, I can feel myself going into my my old thing. Like, well, clearly race doesn't have anything to do with it. But it, now I I don't know. I it's, it's I, I don't know. Where for a long time I felt that race had nothing to do with it, and I wanted to believe that race had nothing to do with it. But then I'd watched the rise of other people within the company uh-huh. who weren't as knowledgeable, but were were white and they would they would get the positions that they wanted and they were just doing awful jobs in fact there were times where there were times where they call call us like hey so we might have to replace this guy is dave available and it's like well he's still on this well do you have somebody replace dave if he leaves and it's it's kind of like a well, why did you advance this guy and not me? Mm. It's, so, a t- it's so tough. Like I, I want to default in my brain to like, you know, well, oh, completely. trust me. There's, there's, there's a lot of that. I, I had one non, well, I, I guess it was an industry. I, I did an AV electrician position for the Hilton hotels here in okay. San Diego. Got it. Um, that was just power. I ran power for all the AV companies. I, it was a love hate job. The, the position was union and it paid amazingly, Okay, but it was so boring. I never touched <laughs> lights. Uh, I mean, I got, got down to the point where I was like, Hey, can I change light bulbs in the, uh, in the hallways? Because I get to ch- uh, touch a lamp for, <laughs> for a second or something. Like, it's going to be awesome. But um, it, it, I, uh, they have these cool things called um, outstanding awards that clients, um, corporate clients would hand out to people that they felt made their show, their, their visit better. Okay. I was the only person in our department to receive not only one of these, I received 10 of them within one year. Congratulations. (laughs) During this time, I did not get any recognition from the department or the hotel about any of these. Um, I would watch other people get employee of the month, employee of the year. I would never be recognized for it. It got to the point where even the other coworkers were saying, oh, Dave, you get it, except for they don't like you because you're black. Oh, this is man. what I'm hearing from other coworkers, because that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, you know, that guy, he 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 did paint that wall over there, and it, it, the wall looks great. It's a great <laughs> wall. <laughs> but um, it got to the point where the coworkers actually went to the the hotel and let them know what was going on that they felt that it was a racial issue between management and me. That's Ah. when everything got corralled against me. And I was- Because somebody was standing up for you. Somebody stood up for me. I was called into HR and basically told why everything wasn't racist. Okay. And then after that, they had attempted to fire me three times. I say attempted because 
each time was completely unfounded. And luckily I was a union member. I was able to just call a union rep who would be like, well, why are you trying to fire him? Oh, he was out on this day. Did you forget that he was in the hospital and he handed you a note and everything was okay? Like it, it was, it was like every time I did anything, it was uh, an instant, oh, well, we might have to look at your employment here. Anytime somebody has to call you in to explain why something's not racist, you have to think about <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you haven't checked your own racism there. Oh, I, that's the only time where I thought, you know, where in my head I was like, this is definitely racist. And that's when <laughs> I, I, I definitely sat, sat there and looked back on the, the past tours and the past lives and said, all of this is starting to add up. All of Interesting. this is starting to match. I'm like, I didn't want, and I didn't want to say that they were racist back in the day. And and if you had talked to me back before then, I definitely would have never told you it, it was racist. I would have just told you this was one of the worst moments of my life. I went through some really crappy tours, really crappy management. But then as I started to look back at what I was going through currently and what I was going through back then, I started co to connect the dots and see, see how it was all the same, all at the same time. And it was like, wow, I really just went through a lot within the last six years. Wow. So that, that kind of made me want to leave the industry because I saw the industry as a whole as almost a virus. It was something where everybody seemed to be, get, be against everybody else in my eyes yeah so when i met nate cromwell and he was somebody who was who saw my talent and told me that i needed to get out there and show what i could do and and definitely raise my rates because i was i was so cheap at that time <laughs> i'm pretty sure we all kind of you know undervalue ourselves every so yeah. often but um well, at this point, what choice did you have? You, you were constantly being told, like, yeah, you're not quite good enough yet. I was you're not quite experienced I yet. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't experienced yet. At the same time, I was doing tons of shows and tons of big shows, even though they weren't – I was doing those, those tours, but then I was going on – coming home and doing a bunch of – to me, they're smaller shows, but every show to me is actually big. I, I care right. about every show that happens. So I, I'm doing Comic-Con and, and these giant galas and raves and, and things. And, and I had to step back and look at where I had gotten to. And I was like, you know what? I am good at this. I, I know what I'm doing. I, I have the knowledge. And... At that point, I started, I think that's when I actually started coming online more and posting and, and posting my shows and being proud of who I was, which luckily got me more, more clients and Hell yeah. tours. And yeah. next thing I know, I get to talk to 
Chris Luce. Like, it's Aww. amazing. Like, <laughs> I never thought I would be here. It was one of those things where it's always, it was a dream. And I never thought I would make it because there were so many things against me. And, and that's, that's one of those things a lot of people don't see that there's to, to a minority lighting designer, there is so much stacked up against you from the beginning. Um, right. A lot of minorities don't have access to the gear, the training, the, the classes that others do. Um, Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to go to a very affluent high school where they, we had a TV studio and we had, um, it, it was, it's upper St. Clair high school in P Pennsylvania and they have one of the biggest, uh, backstages or they have one of the biggest stages in that region, I believe. That's awesome. Uh, we had, uh, Barry Manilow rented out the high school theater to do his uh tour rehearsals of copacabana so right on. that was i mean we got a chance to you know help load in for uh, an awesome artist but i see a lot of other minorities that don't have access to these things and mm -hmm. they want to learn so it's hard for them to find places to do it. And then after they do learn, we constantly have to prove ourselves over and over again. When you yeah. walk into the room, somebody sees you and they're like, oh, who is that guy? He probably has no clue what he's doing. And it's a constant, I have to prove myself. Uh, even now, I, I still feel like I have to prove myself with every client, every tour, er everybody I meet, because it's one of those things where you don't feel that you are validated. You don't feel that you are really wanted mm -hmm. a lot of places. Right. Um, I have people saying, well, you know, well, what did you go through you know, that tells you, you know, this industry has some issues or, you know, something like that. And I, I, one thing I always go to is have, have you ever had a fly date canceled just for you? Because the area that you were going to was unsafe because you're black. No, I've never had that. I have been canceled on two fly dates because um the the area was just unsafe um when i worked for sesame street live one of the things that was on um that was told to our performers and to the crew you know if we went to an area that was highly conservative it's hey remember this area might not be safe for you there it's not safe for African-Americans. It's not safe for the LGBT community. Wow. It's, it's, that's what we have to deal with. And there's a lot of people that don't have to deal with that, that don't understand that things like that actually happen.
So if I can take one second, uh, my story to, to get to where we are right now mirrors yours in a lot of ways. Uh, I cried my first tour because it was so hard. I have gone to places that were dangerous and been told not to, but never has it ever been for the color of my skin. Oh, I was shocked. That's um, why it's probably why it's so easy to ignore it because you know, I can look at my own fight and my own struggles, but never has it been because of the color of my skin. Exactly. Well, it's one of those things where or my sexual orientation, which you also brought up. I know, but or my religion the part is it's one of those things where they, they don't tell you it's because of the color of your skin. It's yeah. always somebody else that's on the tour that kind of lets you know. And, and for for this one, it was actually my artist <laughs> who actually said he was happy that they decided not to bring me because it was very rough and he definitely didn't feel that I would have made it out of that building. Fuck that. And he's like, yeah, so we played this this party and it was not what we thought it was. And I'm happy that, you know, they decided that it was unsafe for you. And that's where I was like, what do you mean by unsafe? <laughs> Fuck that. And I was like, it's so oh, subversive. So you didn't bring me because I'm black and this is a really unsafe show for me. That's and that's fucked that, up. It, that's for real. Crazy. That's happening. That's, it, that's it's not, things that, those things happen. And that's not 200 years ago. That's not 60 years ago. That, that's, that, now. that's now. But I, I can tell you many places where I will never walk alone and I won't walk at night. And I love, if anybody who tours with me knows me, they, they know that I love going and sightseeing. I love trying to find any time to go. I'll even walk to the, to the end of the block by the arena if I don't really have that much time just to see the city a little bit. So to feel that they... To know that there are places that I definitely cannot go, it it's kind of sad because it's that just shows that we have not grown as a nation to say that this is unacceptable, that these things shouldn't and can't happen. Mm-hmm. Instead, we've decided that it's okay that we just need to bury it and hide it. It's so it, it's fine. Don't just don't pay attention to, to it. Just don't go to those places. You'll be just fine. Maintain the status quo. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of like the same as, you know, just, just comply and everything will be fine. And like, well, that's, it, that's unacceptable. Amer- being American is not a comply or die. Thing. No, not freedom. No. That does not equal freedom. Comply or die does not equal freedom. No, it's the opposite. Exactly. And we've, we've also seen that, you know, complying doesn't mean that you're not going to die. No, it sure doesn't. Not at all. So, you know, I've, I've been in a, a couple of really scary interactions with police and I've been in a couple scary interactions, you know, on, on tour. I, I've, I was in one weird interaction in San Francisco on my last carry tour where uh, I was, um, I had three security guards try to kick me out of front of house because they completely did not believe that I was on a country tour. 
<laughs> I don't mean to. I'm not laughing. I I, I'm not I laughing. I understand but... because that's kind of how I felt at that time. Like, are you serious? Like, are you I'm serious? Going, I I I handed them my credential. I got to the point where I put my credential in their hand. Like, do you see this? It has my picture on it. I like I I work here. I'm part of the show. Like, will you leave me alone? And I'm working right now. I'm working. Go away. And I'm trying to ignore them. And they, they're like blocking me. And they're, I mean, and this is, this is one thing where I'm like, huh, would this happen to anybody else? Like, would, would they show their credential and uh, credentials and the security would be like, oh, okay. And go away. Like I shouldn't have to fight to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I have everything I need that shows that I belong there. And I've shown you that I belong there. Like, I shouldn't have to continue to fight this. Man. Chris Lose five or ten years ago. People were like, why didn't you just call the tour manager? I'm like, well. Why should I fucking have to? Why should I call somebody? Like, I work here. I shouldn't have to call somebody to come save me. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's it, these are things that happen that that people don't think of, and I know there's other people probably have like some crazy stories of what they've been through, but I'm just this is something that I've been through, and I've seen, I've seen, I've heard, I've dealt with a lot of things where. Truthfully, I am one not one to call everything racist. I'm one of those people who, even if I know it's blatantly racist, I won't call it racist. Right. I I will call it racist when it becomes ex- like extremely racist. If you use the word the N word, I will definitely call you out as racist. Yeah. But um, no, I I. I usually don't call anybody out for being racist. I will try to educate them on their thoughts before I completely give up on them because I feel that everybody has goodness in their heart. Everybody means well in some way and everybody, but everybody has grown up in a different, a different way. So we don't know what you've been taught about this. We don't know if you've ever actually, you know, had a conversation with a black person. We don't know if you've, you know, been pulled over 15 times and never had anything happen except for the cop walk up and hand you a ticket and say, go on your way, pay this later. I mean, but not knowing that other people are struggling in the, in the world is just being ignorant to the world. It's close-minded so, for sure. It's trying it's to think that your experience is the only experience. Exactly. So you have to look at those other people's experiences and see them for what they are and then realize that this is how that other person feels. So one thing I, I when I knew I was going to talk to you, I, I actually did try to stay off of Facebook today. <laughs> But, uh, knowing me, I, I always go on, uh, and one thing that was on, uh, 
the lighting designers group on Facebook that that really got me going this morning was um, it was another conversation about the male female um, gender relations with cables. Okay. Um, and there were just so many nasty comments on there that dealt with the gender issue in in our country and my whole time the whole time i'm reading these i'm going we have a bunch of lgbt members in our community in our inter in, in the entertainment world yeah why are you saying all of these things like why would you get on facebook on an industry site and bash basically the views of another industry member yeah and it's it's one of those things where i i can't believe it's happening i i wish that it wouldn't happen but at the same time it, it's showing all of us who everybody really is yeah and it, it definitely shows that we haven't been having the conversations before we haven't had these conversations yeah and these are conversations that needed to happen and they still need to happen yeah and i really think that i mean i think a town hall or something like that would be great where everybody actually says what they want to say it's 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 more of a we need to have these discussions and we need to figure out where we want to be as an industry yeah are we going to allow hatred racism sexism i mean the way the way our industry treats women is just appalling it, it's appalling the way we treat minorities is appalling. The way we treat the LGBT community is appalling. And it's it's something that needs to be changed and it needs to change soon because I've always thought that this industry was just made up the, of the best of the best. And yeah. within the last three months, my view on the industry has changed so much it's it's sad i never thought that some of the people that i respected so much had so much hatred in their hearts and i am seeing that so many more people that i interact with on a daily basis or a monthly basis or just touring around just have no regard for anybody else that they work with it's it's more of a i got mine you you figure out how to get yours yeah. and that's not how we should be i i truthfully that's not how this industry is built this industry is built as a team industry we're all a one giant team our goal is to make some of the most impressive structures shows like mm -hmm. art we we make some of the most impressive art out there and as artists most artists have 
most artists have mental a mental issue of some kind as we know <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot of this this hatred and stuff actually uh gets to these artists a lot more than you would think mm -hmm. and i feel that we are turning our industry into a very a very dangerous place for people yeah our industry thrives on diversity of opinion and new experiences coming in and new fresh ideas from new from new people new places and uh i mean we we bash newbies non-stop yes we, we need to stop that i mean help help teach people don't don't put other people down because they don't know something. There's that one point where you had no clue how to turn on the lighting console. I know the first time I opened up the MA3, I said, where the hell is the power button? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we already covered most of the other isms, but there's another one. There is ageism where a lot of people are like, oh, oh he's a millennial. He, he can't. He can't. All the time. Clearly the he time. can't know. Oh, you things know, I know. Have no clue what it was like working with a bunch of pars. Well, Guess what I got to start with? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't all start with LED lights. We wanted to. Yeah. I, mean, I remember my first LED light. I was like, whoa, you made it change its colors? <laughs> I, uh, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm like, well, this is the way we've always done it. And a younger person came in. He's like, well, there's, let me show you the three better ways that have been invented since you've been in your 40s, grandpa. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> young punk and then all of a sudden he's like yeah look i, f I fix it i'm like oh fuck <laughs> you're very smart i am stuck in my old ways so thank you i apologize i mean i love the old ways but we we need to learn that you know the new ways work the new ways yeah. are fine we I have mean, new solutions to very old problems Oh, tons of them. I mean, including black tracks. That's a great solution to black a tracks old problem. It, it took me, even though I worked with black tracks for about three years, I think it took me a full year to understand what it was even doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was, comp it was bad because uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody came out and interviewed the tour and they they talked to me and the question was so what exactly is black tracks and i was like i have no clue i just work with it like i this thing is magic i'm the expert and i don't know <laughs> i'm the i'm like i could i can get it to work <laughs> uh but yeah it was one of those things where it, it's so innovative and there's so so much innovation that's going on in our industry right now, especially with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, look at all the the people learning Unreal right now. I I downloaded it and I can say that I have yet to open it. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. I, I think I tried to open it and I was like, um, I think I looked at the first tutorial and I said no this is not for me I'm more of a a lighting guy I kind of want to stick to lighting um so I ended up buying L8 which is an amazing product right and on 
and hopefully I'm going to build my own little DJ studio in my garage with their new update, which allows green screens, but hell yeah. But one thing that brings us back to the whole COVID is we need we need to look at the innovation of our industry before reopening. We have to look at how we innovate to be safer. Yep. Um for the time being and the times to come because this is something COVID is a big wake up call. This is something that can happen to us at any point. Yeah. Um, so to just ignore it and go back to normal is not a great thing. We need to learn to, we need to see how we can innovate our shows to handle another pandemic. Yeah, it's going to happen again. Oh, it's definitely going to happen again. So right now is the best time to figure out how we innovate our industry to survive. Yep. And that's where I think, you know, things like live stream studios, venues that can easily convert to live stream studios will be something of the future, something where you can definitely have multiple shows going on at one time because you don't even have to have you know one room you have multiple studios running running shows but um we definitely need to look at what we can innovate in our industry to make us pandemic proof or viable at least yeah yeah, we used to, we got really cocky. We really thought that we were terrorist proof, uh, 9-11. Oh, definitely. We, th- we thought we were recession proof, uh, which we were. I mean, 2008 was a slump for sure. And it cost us a lot of people, you know, a couple months of work. And then we got right back. And now, you know, we were cocky. We thought that we were uh, we pandemic proof. We thought we were invincible. And we're, we definitely are not invincible. Um I definitely didn't see the pandemic affecting us as it did. Um, I did know about it. I remember reading about it back in December-ish. Right. And knowing that something was happening, but that was still like a world away. This is happening a world away, something I don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe three or four weeks before the shutdown, I started to get a little bit worried about it because I was hearing more about it. Right. And I was starting to see friends in other countries having to deal with body temperature checks and things like that. And I'm like, huh, is this something I need to really worry about? And then I finished cross, uh, I was about to start CrossFest in San Diego. And that's when the news came that they were petitioning to shut down Coachella because of coronavirus. Right. I remember everybody was completely upset. Why are they making a petition? This is stupid. It's just a virus. Nobody's, you know, everybody will be fine. It's not going to go away. And then in the middle of our CrossFest Coachella shut down, which was awful for me because I was like, well, I had a co- an act at Coachella, so, but it's okay because I'm going on tour next week. So we'll just miss Coachella. 
So went to work the day after CrossFest to start tour prep. Finished one day of tour prep, got home, got a call at two in the morning saying not to come in the next day, that we're gonna have a meeting at 10 a.m. Picked up my uh, tour mate, we drove over to the building. We didn't even make it inside the building when they gave us a call at like 10.45 to tell us that the tour was canceled because of coronavirus. And at that point, I had a mini freak out in my head. It was, uh, well, that's all of my work. Because that tour was supposed to, it was a great on-off tour for the rest of the year. And I was like, great, I'm, I'm covered for the rest of the year, going to make tons of money. I can just fill in the dates that I'm home. And that went away in a blink of an eye. Yep. And I ended up uh, doing the smart thing, and I dropped my buddy off and ran to Sam's Club and Costco and bought two months worth of food and supplies. Okay. Because in my head, it was going to last two months and yep. they were going to be back. And here we are. <laughs> yep. Two months worth. You're like, hey, I just have to stay home for two months. And then we get, I was like, get back. stay home for two months. I'm like, uh, you know, we'll figure out how to get paid. Luckily, uh, even though everybody in California hates AB5, AB5 saved my life. Um, I know. It's very strange, Oh, right? man. You have to fill me in on this one. I am so interested. So, AB5, due to AB5, three of my clients had decided right before it was enacted that it would be safer for them to put us, uh, all of their techs on W-2. So oh, we were basically yeah. at will employees. So I did a, a bunch of uh, shows for Power Plus Productions and some other local companies that are, are amazing under W-2. So when it came time to file for unemployment, I, I had W-2s on file that I could pull from. And I had enough money saved up from those W-2s that I was okay for getting unemployment. So even though I was completely against AB5, I found that AB5 in that moment was a definite lifesaver. Wow. Now we're exempt from it, thank God. But at the same time, uh, it was something that I believe helped a couple other techs as well that I I ran into. So it's something that was that helped a lot of people in the long run. Yeah, that's I've I've seen a lot of uh, hatred against AB five online recently, especially from. Uh... Uh, freelancers and musicians and uh, oh. Uber and Lyft and oh and yeah um, and when things are good and, but the whole Uber and Lyft thing gets me because they're the, the it was the drivers that pushed that in the first place I know so I I I posted today I said I is it funny that I laugh every time I see a Prop 22 commercial ha- having an Uber driver beg me to help them be exempt from the exact bill that they helped to put in in the first place 
<laughs> I'm like, that makes no sense. I'm like, but we all, and I remember having Facebook conversations about that and telling, telling Uber and Lyft drivers how it was a very bad bill for them and it would cost them their jobs in the long run. And yeah. they didn't want to listen. It's a bunch of people who don't know what it means to be an independent contractor. And they just signed on to a job thinking that, you know, oh, well, I'll get benefits and everything from this. That's not what an independent contractor gets. Nope. Nope. Yeah. When times are good, being a, a total guerrilla style freelance is awesome. Oh, when shit hits the fan. We need help. Oh, we need definitely. support. Definitely. And that's, that's why I definitely made sure to go out and support uh, the, we make events. Yeah. Uh, Red alert because that was it's definitely something that we all need it's definitely something that even though i i've been working lately it i know a lot of people who are still struggling and it's it's even worse because they're struggling even more because of the loss of the p-way it's Mm -hmm. that that loss even though they're we're getting half of that now. That's still a, a huge amount of money that you're missing. I mean, back when it started, I was making, even with the POA, maybe two days of my day rate. Yeah. That's not so I'm like, that's like me working two days a week. And that's it. I'm like, it's not enough to support you know where i'm living what you know i support a family of of four so and i'm the only one i was the only one working at the time so it's like well we kind of need to pay rent kind of have to have utilities and you know food all of that and people are hurting right now it's something that we really need to push and one thing that i I hate to say, but Red Alert Alert Day was a success for us. But I feel that a lot of the public just didn't even pay attention. I I think we need to go bigger next time. I think we need to do it again. I think we need to go bigger. I think we need to do more. We need to have more... um, more press conferences. We need to have people who are on TV nonstop, letting them know what we're doing. It's something that we really need to push for. We really need to show that our industry is hurting right now. And we, we need to help those in our industry. In California, if you had only been a freelancer, did you have access to any PUA? I didn't I did have access to PUA thanks to the AB5. Okay, but without AB5, you'd have been AB. Uh, so without those W2s, I'll, you'd have had no access to unemployment. You, you do get access, but okay. the the freelancers did not get access to it until almost oh, okay. a month and a half into got it the pandemic. So that was a lot of time that the and then a lot of a lot of freelancers, I, I know a lot of my friends still haven't received a dime. They haven't received any any type of assistance from anybody. Um, 
they they didn't receive uh, they get something from Live Nation. Live Nation did the the one uh, event. The um, Crew Nation. Yeah, the Crew Nation, and then that was about it. Wow. They've been putting in for unemployment. They've been fighting. They've been writing their senators. They've been writing their congressmen. They've they've been doing everything right, but still haven't received any assistance. And I really feel for them. I mean, it's hard enough out here without yeah. having that that assistance that was promised to you. Yep. If if anything, I hope this points out to a lot of people that when times are good, it's really, really easy to vote against a strong social safety net. Exactly. It's so um, easy. Like, who should be spending money on that? Look at us. Look at all this milk and honey. But when shit hits the famine, we all need to come together. And there, there needs to be systems in place to make sure that we don't fall any farther than we need to. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at, you know, what's going on in, in Congress right now. And we're still fighting one side who doesn't believe that the citizens should really get any more money. And it's, it's kind of like, why are we making sure that businesses are taken care of, but not the citizens who are the ones that are putting in the tax dollars to begin with? Yeah, that's tough. It's, a, it's, it's really tough. And it's, it's one of those questions of, it's one of those things where you really have to look at who you're voting for. You have to, I mean, everybody votes on party lines. I hate voting on party lines. I'm definitely not that type of person. No, it's tough. I'm, I'm the type of person who will definitely research everybody. So when people are like, oh, well, you know, Biden, Trump, all these issues, I have to look at who is going to help the citizens more? Yep. Who is going to help our industry more? Who is going to help us as people? Or who is going to help corporations? Yep. So that's what I look at. I look at their background. I look at everything else. But yep. you, you have to stop voting voting just because your party says to vote for this one person that one person is may not be the best yep totally agree unfortunately my my chosen candidate didn't make it to the top two so yeah i'm gonna gonna have to hold my nose on this one this year was the first time where I really didn't have any candidates picked. I looked at everybody and was like, I really hate all of you. Yeah. It's not that I hated all of them. I just, I was like, okay, well, I, I like Bernie Sanders, but I just didn't see Bernie winning against Trump. I felt that Trump spent the last four years um making sure that he would scare his base and other people away from bernie sanders yeah and because bernie sanders didn't get it he's still trying to use us scare tactics against biden but the funny part is like biden and bernie are two completely different people not the same and it's not the same and the the things that he's saying just don't add up with when it comes to biden you're just like well 
No. And truthfully, I'm not a huge Biden fan. Like I never was, never will be. But I have to look at who has the chance of winning, yeah. and and then who has a chance of fixing what's mex- messed up right now. Yeah, yeah. Because because it affects us. It affects us. Not we used to think that we were immune, us, but we're, it, it totally affects us. Not only does it affect us, but it's still happening. And if it were, if Trump, if you really believe that Trump is going to fix it after he gets elected, then why hasn't he fixed it already? Because he's in there now. He could do it right now. Is it like, a, if you vote for me, I'll finally do it? That's not a good way to run a presidency. No, nah, it's tough. It's... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't solve anything. It just prolongs it things. Solve anything. It's no. we're hurting now. Our yeah. industry is hurting now. Our citizens are hurting now. We need to to handle this now, not later. Yeah, that's a great way to end it. That we can all take personal responsibility and we can take steps to fix this. Definitely. Sorry if I jumped around a lot on you. No, this is uh, this is what it is. It's, it's felt like the the real version of a of a Facebook thread. Oh. That, uh, Oh, this yes. would have taken us and, three days to have. And I invite anybody to definitely come check out my Facebook. And I'm sorry if I offend you. But <laughs> no, I, I, I'm actually not sorry. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm going to speak yeah. my mind and that's how it's going to be. These, for better or for worse, these opinions are out there. They're forever. And if we, if we learn new things, well, I'll change in my mind. If not, uh, then I'm going stick to my, stick to my guns and I'm going to same both of us we're going to do our very best to present further exploration into topics you know definitely i know i i've seen it uh, if we if we get proven wrong we definitely back up and we we yeah. completely go hey so i was wrong um, i completely understand i see your point i see i've been wrong several times i've been wrong several times too <laughs> thank you so much for your time david this has been great well, thank you for inviting me absolutely absolutely